Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And today we're back finally with uh, our discussion and uh, teaching through uh, systematic theology. Uh, and we are on church government. Uh, now, we have already dealt with uh, the forms of government that various groups take. We've looked at the reality of that the, that the biblical data supports actually elders and not some sort of a hierarchical uh, structure. Um, I don't think I said that word right. Hierarchical. Yeah. Well, they know what it means. Um, <laughs> top down. <laughs> um, and then we walked through the various qualifications for elders as well as their central responsibilities. All right, so having done all that, what we're going to do today is we are going to talk about the other side of that equation. What is to be the church's response to their leaders? And, and frankly, it doesn't really matter what you want to call the leaders. You can call them pastors, elders, bishops, whatever. Uh, they're all really interchangeable, and we've already talked about that. But what is important is that they are to be qualified leaders within the local church. And that's who we're going to be talking about. We're not going to be talking about the leaders who have no business being in a pulpit, um, political animals and such like that. We're talking about genuine, biblically qualified leaders within the local church. How do we respond? And therefore, the church has to learn to respond to them properly, or in fact, the church itself, the people, will suffer. Uh, so our plan today is to take you through the various passages that speak about how you, as a listener, are to respond to your leadership. And it's our sincere hope that will make you uh, a better churchman or churchwoman uh, as a result. Yeah. So, first of all, uh, a good passage to go is First Thessalonians five twelve through thirteen. Uh, and here Paul says, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Uh, so the request by Paul here to appreciate their leaders is is literally the idea of to know yeah. their leaders. Um, carries a sense of appreciation, of respect, uh, of high regard for them. And so the congregation needs to make an effort to acknowledge the work and faithful effort that these men are, are giving to them. Uh, they ought to be praying for these men, seeking to know how they're doing, seeking to know their lives. And it's amazing how few people um, at times will inquire about the well-being of those who lead them. Yep. Um, they just kind of assume everything's fine. Yeah. Um, and that they always and only should exist for me. Yeah. Right? Well, I actually had a person, this was years ago, but they complained. They're like, you know, I I don't feel like you, uh, I don't think, you've never had this over or you only had this over once um, and for, for a meal or something. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry. And uh, we talked a bit, but I was annoyed at the same time. And I said, can I ask you just a quick question? Yeah, I said, 
am I just wrong? But I don't remember ever being invited to your house. And they're like, what, what? You know, and that it quickly became uncomfortable for them. I said, look, it's not a one-way street. I only have so many days. <laughs> yep. uh, I, I mean, literally so many days in a year. And of those days, only a few of them are free. Um, but all you had to do is invite me. And, and Kim and I would have made every effort to, you know, come and to be with you. But, you know, it, it's... Yeah. I, and I would, no, and that's fair. And... You know, there, there are people who sometimes they feel like you're absent in their life, absent from actually caring for them or pastoring them. And when people say that to me every once in a while, it's very rare. But my question is back to them. Anyone who ever wants a meeting with me has it almost immediately. Yeah. You know, those who want to be inquired by, you know, or have me involved in their life in a personal way, they always are. And um, it was interesting. Even we did an episode on eldership not too long ago, and a person asked to meet with me. And I said, okay. So we got dinner. And and you know how it is. When someone asks to meet with you, it's, boy, I wish you'd give me a little hint of what yeah. you want. Is this going to be a fun dinner? or? <laughs> so we show up, and I do my questions of, so how you doing? You know, how's your wife? And all that stuff. Um, and then we're sitting there, and I'm like, waiting for it. I'm like, so anything else going on? He's like, no, not really. <laughs> I was like, oh, so you literally just wanted to get together to, he's like, yeah. And he said, I listened to your episode on uh, eldering. And you said there are those who are joy to shepherd because they make their lives available to you. And he's like, I just want you to know that I want to be that. Now that's, that's praiseworthy. Yeah. And, and I appreciated that. And so it's, he's made it his task that every so often he will make the initiative because he understands it's a growing church, but he also understands I will always make time for him if he just asks. Well, we had that guy, you know who I'll, I'm talking about. His name happened to be Matt too. Now he's not at our church anymore. They, they moved, but he was a very busy man. He had five children, very busy with his work and everything else. Um, but it was interesting because he used to be a salesman. I think he's back in sales. Um, and so he knew how to work his calendar. And so he did it like every two months, I'd get all of a sudden this email. Hey, pastor, I just want to get together with you. And we had a place we always went. And we had, uh, had a meal together. And literally, it was just him saying, I just want to let you know where we're at. Yep. He, and he, he walked through him, his wife. Uh, but it wasn't a whiny one. It was just him laying out, here's the things going on. Um, here's my children. Here's the things I'm working. What was so neat about it was, here's all the things I'm working with on each one of my children. And you saw a man who was very, very engaged with his his sons and daughter, um, no, daughters. And, and it was fun. I was actually invited to be part of their family and watch a man. Uh, shepherd his children, and and then he would always. I would uh, I would usually start my side of the conversation with. So, would you mind if I gave you some thoughts about what you just said? And he's like, "That's yes." And so I would just proffer some advice or ideas because I was on a different spectrum parenting. My children had all grown up and were now married and having their own children. So he he was so fun to shepherd in that way, just like what you said, because even though we are talking about spiritual things and I'm working in a sense, um, it was not a laborious thing where I'm dragging 
stuff out of him, or it's we're, we're talking about the same sin that he's always talking about, right. and he has no intention of repenting of. He just wants to talk about it. So yeah, yeah, those are those are a pleasure. Yep. Uh, and then secondly, in this passage, uh, as Paul says, there to be highly respected. The the NIV does a nice job here when it says uh, to hold them in the highest regard. Um, this is totally opposite of what many people are. Um, in, in various churches will do. Uh, all too often we have malcontents who are constantly talking against the elders, talking against their decisions. Um, it's that subtle undercutting. Um, you know, they, they, they show very little respect and certainly no true appreciation for the effort that's involved in overseeing a church. And, and again, you're communicating that to your children. Um, they're not dumb. Mm -hmm. When you get in the car and you're grumbling, or well, I don't, I don't think I would do that, or I whatever. Um, yeah, do you model high respect, high regard for your elders? Now, ninety percent of you who are listening will never know us, never meet us, but you have somebody who's pastoring you, and and so that's the question: Do you hold them in high regard? Do your children know that you hold us in that high regard? Uh, another passage we would point you to would be 1 Timothy 5.17, where it says, let the elders who rule well, uh, be," which implies that some are not so good at it. Yeah. I mean, they're elders, but they're not maybe quite as gifted. Um, they th th Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. And then he defines that, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Um so all elders are to be honored. They, they are to be held in high respect. Uh, the, the word is very common within the New Testament, and its meaning is actually uh, somewhat plastic. Uh, it means to uh, show recognition or esteem or honor, uh, to bestow dignity, uh, giving of an honorarium. That's where actually that word comes from. It's, it's, I'm honoring you by giving you this gift, uh, compensation uh, and showing value. And that's, that's valuing them both literally and figuratively, so uh, you you show that uh, appreciation by giving them um, things, um, and th this is always a very awkward. <laughs> it's an awkward subject for us to talk about because it sounds like it's um, self-serving. Yeah, but that's it's a what, word. What the Bible it says. is what it is. Um, so there's this implied statement that all elders are worthy of honor, since some of them are to receive then that double honor. So the question always arises in people's mind then is what is meant in this specific content or context? Both views actually have strengths to them and both are faithful to the word uh, honor. So some will say it means that all elders are to receive payment for the work. Um, others see it though as giving the men honor and respect, but the question then becomes how? Well, within the book of 1 Timothy, it's used three other times. He says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And so it's, we understand that. We understand what it means to show honor to our king or, I mean, our, our, uh, our God. Uh, another time in 1 Timothy 6.1, it says, let all who are under the yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. Why? So that the name of God and our doctrine may not be spoken against. And we could go off on that easily. And then again in 1 Timothy 6.16, to him being God, be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. 
So clearly, these indicate that the giving of honor and respect, uh, that's not hard to see. Uh, it seems reasonable to understand that in our passage, that is implied meaning is what, that that's the implied meaning as well, especially then when we ask, what does it mean to show double honor? So therefore, the church needs to learn to highly regard and esteem all of their leaders. They need to guard against being flippant toward them uh, uh, and casual toward the office of an elder. Um, it's, uh, it's a strange reality on the part of some congregations to resist the elder when they're making a major decision. And commonly, the argument is that they're trying to make the men, or they're complaining that the men are lording it over the flock. So uh, an elder has, uh, the elders make a decision and the people don't like it. Yeah. And so they say, well, you're just lording it over. Well, no, we're. <laughs> yeah, it's, we're all, it's always a cheap. Well, even that first Thessalonians passage that I read, uh, it says, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you. And then he says, and have charge over you. Yep. So there is an aspect in which you have charge. You have, there's, there's an authoritative aspect to that. Yeah, yeah, and that's why Peter describes us as under-shepherds. Yeah. Um, it's, and, uh, and we have a great shepherd. So we're the shepherd like Christ did. And there are times, I mean, there is no doubt every command in, in the Bible comes from our Lord. And so he, he's not afraid to say no or yes or do this or don't do that. The word is filled with those. And the same way, you have to come to grips that your leaders are there not to suggest but they are going to tell you you need to do this, and yeah. and and your first response is to respect that rather than resist it. Yeah. And just as a by the way, just given the state of our culture right now, um, so much is coming out now about pastoral abuse, and a, a lot of stuff is legitimate. You know, I mean, there is some of that stuff that's taking place. You're like, wow, um, but we're also, I fear, creating a little bit of a culture where we're where the church is just going to crumble in on itself because they're ripping out any kind of God-given authority that, that elders have been entrusted with to where they're, they're not allowed to make a decision. They're not allowed to lead. They're not allowed to yeah. give a, a command or an instruction or an order because somehow, oh, this is so oppressive or abusive or whatever. And the church is, that's not good for the church. No, no. And there's just times where it's not an overtly biblical issue. The, the elders will just say, no, yeah, and we had that with a puppet ministry. I mean, we're talking like uh, my first year here as a pastor, and and they wanted to bring back puppets, and so I actually told them, "Look, I I don't want that, but I'll let you go ahead, and you put together a whole presentation that you can do for the whole church, and you can just let it all." be done, and let's just see it. And they took it, I mean, to their credit. I mean, they made puppets, they had practices and everything else, and it was this black light. Um, you never saw that, right? Yeah, this was black lights, and they had these puppets that were candles, and they had a whole bunch of the younger people involved, most of them not Christians, and they're holding up the puppet, and it's this little light of mine. And, and it was it was fun, it was cool, it was interesting, but it was devoid of any depth. And so when they were all done, I met with them, and I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there was hurt. And I said, look, this is not where our church is at, and it's not what's going to grow the church. It's not going to grow the people. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, but no, we're not going to have a puppet ministry. And people were angry, um, miffed, 
and 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 everything else. But that's the right of the elder. Um, the elders are to be making those kinds of decisions, and and you need to show that respect. That okay, I don't maybe fully understand why, but yeah. And we did that episode on uh, gray areas yeah. in pastoral uh, ministry or whatever. So if you want to know what we mean by that more fully. Go check out that yeah, episode. Yeah, if this is the first one you're listening to, yeah. you have a whole bunch of others that you should listen to first. So realize also then in this passage in First Timothy that some elders will be unusually gifted at ruling and who are worthy of that double honor. So he says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at what? Well, at preaching and teaching. Uh, notice the specific reference of those preaching and teaching type of elders. Because verse 18 mentions labors that are worthy of wages. So the very verse, next verse says that, you know, the, the ox should be able to eat as he's working. Uh, he's worthy of the wages. It appears then that double honor actually refers to paying or compensating some of these men. So in our culture, that's often seen in what is called the pastoral staff. And in larger churches, it might even include a man who's unusually gifted in the realm of administration, kind of like an executive pastor. Um, however, these are there are other ways that you can just simply show this double honor without adding to the staff. Uh, you can bless a pastor by taking that family out to dinner or buying them a special gift that is designed to bless them or sending them simply on a vacation. We have some families here that were just so kind in that way where they would let us uh, go up and use their cabin and just leave us alone. And it was like, thank you, because we had no money. <laughs> right. So it was hard for us to get away, but it, it was a simple way of showing uh, a, a sense of honor. The whole idea behind that is that you want to figure out how to express in a very tangible way your appreciation for their effort and their faithful work. Why? Well, because these are the men who are responsible for helping you grow in your Christian walk. If you have actual pastors and elders, then you have men who protect you, even if you're unaware of that fact. So consider how, over the last year, and this is our assignment to you. We want you to think, over the last year, how have I tangibly expressed honor to those who lead you? Learning to ask that kind of question can be very, very enlightening to a person. Yeah. Uh, then the next point we want to make is um, from 1 Timothy 5, uh, 19 through 20. And this is a command. Yeah. Paul, Paul then says here, he says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses, those who continue in sin, meaning elders, rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also may be fearful of sinning. Frankly, both sides of this passage are ignored by Christians, uh, at least in, in America, in our context. With the advent of the internet, you have you know scores of ways to gossip and slander and um, libel your leaders. Um, and, and with the rise of the megachurch, celebrity pastor world, people protect the brand and turn a blind eye to overt sin because, you know, that name is too big to fail, so to speak. Um, so we just want to work through this passage and bring some light to this issue. Um, you are to, as Paul says here, protect the, uh, your elder's integrity. And again, that is a command, as you said, that is not a suggestion. Um, the verb there is in the present tense, indicating that this is to be your habit. This is an ongoing practice. Um, the word receive 
talks about receiving an accusation, uh, means to accept or acknowledge as true or even just welcome. Um, th there, there must always be two or three witnesses there. And now, uh, this is off the cuff, but do you, do you take that as they must be two or three witnesses that actually witnessed the alleged thing? Or do you think it's kind of like the Matthew 18 where two or three witnesses, they need to hear it out and, and confirm yeah. the legitimacy. I think both depending on if it, um, if you've got a person, let's say I preach a sermon and you walk away and you feel like I was too, I was too hard. I was. And so you just all of a sudden, um, you start talking to somebody else and you start saying, I think he was angry. I, you know, I think he's sinning. I think he's become arrogant. Um, I would be looking for two or three other witnesses that would say, yeah, yeah, I, I was there too, and you really came across. I would take that real seriously. If if you showed up in my office and said, Matt, I mean, I don't want to be a jerk, but I, I, I just asked you, check your heart on that. It came across really hard, and but not just you. And I got two or three other people nodding and say, we we heard the same thing. Man, I would... I'd be heartbroken at that point. And, and, and in fact, I can say this without any uh, hesitation. I have literally gotten up in the pulpit the next week and sought the forgiveness of the whole church. I, I laid out, I said, look, I, I got confronted about this. That was not my intention, but I can see it. It was wrong. I have no excuse, and I will labor all the more to be more whatever it was. Because sure. um, you have to do that. But at the same time, there's others where maybe it's a, a tendency that they're starting to notice, and 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 now they've sought two or three witnesses that will will affirm that. Yeah, a little bit more vaguer, not a specific event. Um, if I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do you think I'm making sense? Yep. Um, but so he does say that there 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 has to be two or three witnesses yeah, in it, some it, way, no matter what. So he, he is drawing on legal language from Mosaic yeah. law. Um, this is not just uh, get your buddies and well, and it's different than Romans eighteen, Romans eighteen, Matthew eighteen, where first the sin is against you and you go privately, and then you have to go bring a couple of witnesses to confirm these things. Um, this is not a private. You, pastors do not need a target painted on them because on any given Sunday you're going to irritate somebody. Right. Um, you know, I, I've been actually confronted over the years where I walked by a person and I didn't greet them. And I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, you know, and you're searching your mind. I wish a uh, camera was on this right now to show my face. You know, it's like you're searching your mind trying to think, I don't even remember seeing you. <laughs> and And it's like, I'm sorry. But then you also tell them, look, I just got noticed that somebody threw up in the bathroom. And I was on my way to go clean that up before I went and preached. I, I'm sorry. I was, my mind was elsewhere. It had nothing to do with me being an unloving guy and, sure. and blah, blah, blah. It was, I had vomit on the ground. <laughs> and somehow that became my job. I, you know, I always liked it when I had a guy, hey, uh, somebody, uh, kid threw up. And I was like, all right. And they're like looking at me like, that's my job. I'm like, can you just clean that up? I got to go preach. Um, oh, yeah, 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 sure. It's like, thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we would say that you have to be aware that elders will find themselves in difficult situations 
which require difficult decisions that may negatively affect somebody, that person may at that point become embittered and now create a series of false accusations against the elders or an elder. Um, and, and by the way, those difficult situations usually happen in private, right? Yep. Uh, you're, they come to you for counsel. You find out they're involved in things they have no business being involved in, and you deal with them very firmly. And now, and, and, but I'm not at liberty to tell everybody. That is the hard part, isn't it? Yep. Is people have a, a, an accusation or maybe something in their mind, and it's just like, boy, if you only knew what was going on, but you can't. You don't have that freedom to just tell everybody, here's the situation and the issue. There's a reason for why things are happening, but you can't tell them. Right, and that's where that your predisposition is to trust a pastor and, and, and not welcome that. Don't give room for that person to now use you as their grumbling uh board <laughs> yeah yeah um what, one of the things i tell people too is you, you have to just believe that it's never in a pastor's interest to destroy something in his own church why i mean why would he do that you know yeah. so if he's doing something that you're like that you're not liking it's not because he's trying to create a problem it's there's there's typically a reason for it um, so the, the member who then hears these accusations, uh, they are to reject them, as Paul says, uh, unless they are validated by other witnesses. Um, now that puts the responsibility squarely on the person who is now hearing uh, that accusation. Yeah, he's not welcoming it, but now he knows. Yeah, if, if the accusation is found to be true, then the elder is to be confronted and that elder should repent. Uh, notice that it does not say that he must step down though. Um, that would only occur if he shows habitual sinning or the sin is so great that it affects his, his being above reproach. Like, right. you know, he's found to well, be an adultery I, or something. So I, I almost posted on Facebook, um, there was a Twitter uh, video and it was of some spokeswoman on, be, on or a CNN talking head um, talking about, how, how do you say his name, Como? Cuomo? Yeah. Um, and he stepped down, right? Yeah. And she said, well, you have to understand that all he did with that woman is that when he saw her, he touched her chest because he, all he was doing was touching the logo that was on her shirt. And in no way did he mean anything sexual. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, that's what I do. Whenever I see a woman with a logo on their shirt, I just go up and place my hand on it. <laughs> and, and she said it with a straight face. Okay, so if you got a pastor doing that, you know, okay, this guy needs to step down. There's some big problems with him. Uh, but the normal day-to-day -day type of sin that any human being is going to do does not require, okay, he's he's done. Yeah. You're, or you're asking perfection. Exactly. I mean, he's still a sinner. Um, but he should repent. Absolutely. But if he doesn't repent, um, then as Paul says, he is to be rebuked, uh, notice, before the congregation um, or in the presence of, of all. And why? So that the rest of the congregation will be afraid now to sin. Yeah. So oh, if this like, can happen to an elder, yep. um, boy, I better check my own. And man, they just yelled at him. <laughs> They rebuked him right in front of us. Um, we actually had that situation years ago where uh, an elder was caught in a long habitual sin, um, and we told him, because of it, you, you have to step down. But then that next Sunday, uh, we actually got up and we had a church 
meeting with the members, and we explained that he had stepped down. But because of the the type of sin, we also and he had not repented of it. He only it's only when we caught him, um, which is not repentance. Yes, um, that we we told them that this is sin, and 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 we rebuked him, and he left the church. And his his argument was that's not grace. I'm like, no, it's just a Bible verse. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like we were literally obeying the Scripture. Which is the grace. Yes. And, and you could have stayed here and modeled to all of them what repentance looked like, but instead, you took your ball and went home. And it's like, Psh, well, I'm glad he's – and I actually was glad the man left because I, I, at that point, now then you realize that you're dealing with much more than even his habitual sin. It's, he has no intention of really – repenting of this. Um, But yeah, they should be afraid as a result of what they see happen to that elder. Uh, The next passage we'd bring you to is Hebrews 13, 7. It says, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result, that's a key word there, the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. So he says, you're to remember your leaders. This is very similar in a in in the intent as our passage in 1 Timothy 5.17. You're, you're to mark out those who lead you and keep them in your mind. You're to imitate your leaders. Obviously, this assumes then that they're living in such a way that they're worth imitating. If they're not, they shouldn't be elders. Well, um, and then I would also just throw in that you're a, it also implies that you're able to watch them. Yeah. Right? So if, if you're at a church of 80,000 people and you don't have true access to your elder other than what he presents himself on the stage, you're, how are you able to obey this? And I think a lot of people have no idea how that common that is, that, that the bigger you get, you start getting handlers, and, and right? I mean, it's but they're, true. You're handlers, yeah. and they're making certain that they're getting a public face out there, and they're handling your Twitter feeds. And I, I don't know if you people know this, but if you're in a big church, very likely it's not your pastor doing most of the tweets. Uh, he's got people that right. do that. And they're making certain they give all of the right things. Um, and, and you're starting to get more and more and more distant from your, from your people. Um, he wants you to imitate your leaders. And again, hopefully, or obviously, they should be worth imitating. And yet, if they're truly qualified, that's exactly what they will be doing. And it requires that you seek to be near them and to observe them. So he says in verse 17 of Hebrews 13, obey your leaders, submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So he says, you're to obey your leaders. Uh, very interesting because it actually carries a sense of being persuaded. Uh, or in other words, it's a willingness to follow the direction of the leadership. And it's a real sad commentary how often we see people take pride in not wanting to follow or obey. Uh, this passage is written specifically for them. He also says you're to submit to your leaders. This is not the same word in the Greek as the one which referred to submitting to God or husbands, masters, things like that. Uh, this word means to yield or to give into, to resist no longer, or to do what someone simply says. Unfortunately, again, too many rebel at this at these words, and that's exactly uh, what it is. It's rebellion. Um, I, I again, w- many years ago, I actually asked. 
people, why is it that you're so upset? You know, you're, you're pushing so hard. Uh, I, you know, what we're trying to do here is not hard, and we've given you complete explanation, a lot of explanation as to why we're trying to do this. What, what, what is the problem? And one of them flat out said, I am resisting you so that you not think too highly of yourself. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, gee, thanks. How holy. Yeah, how helpful. Um, and you know, you're not helping your pastors yeah. when, they're, when, when they're trying to move the church forward. Uh, notice also then the reason the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews gives these commands. Uh, these men are tasked by God to be concerned about your spiritual well-being. Do not forget that many times those who are godly are able to see things more clearly than those who are still weighed down with worldly activities and sin. Um, also note that they will have to give an account to, for you to the Lord. This one always weighs on me. Um, if you believe that they are wrong, but you cannot put your finger on the exact reason, then we would tell you, just submit to them, give it to the Lord. Too many times we look back on decisions to rebel and regret that decision. Now, seeing things more clearly, and we're a bit more wiser, and we realize, wow, actually, that was a good decision that person had. Now that I'm older, I see things. I mean, every kid who grows up saying, when I'm a parent, I'm not going to, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> they got their little kid in the home, and they find themselves doing the same things mom and dad did, and they're like, oh, yeah, there's a good reason. Uh, one, one actually thing I did as a seminary student um, that I'm thankful I, I made this choice was there were times in class where my theology professor would be making a point, and I was not convinced he was right. Um, I consciously chose to shut up and just tuck that away in my mind because I was a first-year or second-year uh, seminary student. And this guy's been doing this for a while. And so I, I, just, I just consciously made the decision that Dr. Zemek probably knows more than me. <laughs> In fact, I know he does. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. So shut up, Matt, and don't argue. Just think about it. And it's amazing. I, don't, I can't think of a single thing except for one, one specific passage where I ultimately did not come to see that he was right. Uh, but it took time. It took uh, years, sometimes years, where I just began to realize, oh, I really didn't know what I was talking about. So he says, remember that these men take their job very seriously since they have to answer to God. They can't be winking at sin or foolish activities because whatever occurs within the local fellowship is ultimately their responsibility. But he also gives you a warning if you do not choose to do that. The men should be able to lead you with joy rather than sadness or frustration. And nothing sucks the joy and the energy from a person than a bitter, complaining, and obstinate people that he's trying to guide or lead. So, beloved, don't be guilty of being that person. The writer tells you actually that God, not the man, but God will make it a point to discipline you. In fact, that word unprofitable means to have something detrimental happen, something bad. God will not tolerate or bless that kind of activity. And there are many within churches who have lost blessings, had difficulties rise up in their lives, all of it due to their simple refusal to submit to their leadership. And I might add that leaving a church is almost never the answer when you don't want to submit. 
Unless it's clearly an issue of sin, you should be really reluctant to separate over these sorts of things. God will not let the issue go just because you leave. In fact, what I've learned is that you will find the same situation occur in your new church, and once again, you will be confronted with that call to obey or submit. In fact, you know that's why I think a lot of people go from church to church to church to church. Um, they just, their point where, I don't like that, yeah. I'm leaving, and and. So they can never settle because if eventually God brings it right back into their face. He's very yeah. faithful that way. <laughs> and, if, and if there's something that the elders are doing that you don't that you might not like right away or that you might not understand, go and seek in private to find out. Just can you explain to me? I'm just struggling or trying to understand here. Um, and then at the end of all that, if you still don't agree or like it, at that point, you should choose to believe the promise that there's more blessing in just following versus I, yeah. I don't like it, so I'm not gonna. And so I'm gonna very subtly just kind of quietly rebel. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even not overtly, but even in your own heart. There's, uh, there's nothing good that happens to you uh, from that. One of the simplest ways people do that is, well, I'm just not gonna give then. And it's like, all right, don't give. I mean, if you really think you're gonna get God uh, to- well, Christ will well, still build his church. Yeah, and- um, yeah, it's such a such a simple thing. I I I will tell you that having pastored now at that same church for so long, that you know, at the longer you're at a place, the more you can appeal to people because they've been with you for so many years. And I've had a few times where people have they come to me like you just said, they're like, Pastor, I don't I don't understand, and I really appreciate that attitude. And so I'll take great pains to try to explain it more fully. Sometimes I have to say, look. There are some things I can't talk about um, because they're private, um, and you don't need to know them. Um, but here's the things going on. Here's why we're doing it, and here's what we're seeking to do. What's really interesting sometimes is they're saying, I still don't agree with you, and I can appeal to them. I'll look at them and say, look, have I shown myself, not just me, have the elders shown themselves to be unfaithful? up to this point. And it's it's sweet when they say, no, no, you've been faithful. I said, can you trust us then? That's all I'm asking you, is I understand you don't understand. It, I understand that you're not even sure you agree with it, but you can't point to a sin. Can you just trust us? And, and the longer you're there as a pastor and you're faithful, the more willing I find that the people will then say, you know what? Yeah, I can trust you. Okay, thank you. And that that's just a blessing to my heart, and and invariably the people become some of the greatest uh, they cheerleaders. Precious to you. Yeah. yeah, well, they also become, they finally start to see it, and they're like, oh, yeah. I see it now. Um, but they couldn't see it as it was approaching. And so just understand, God doesn't bless disobedience. We, we talk about this in every possible way. Um, so if that's what you fixate on is how can I resist um, the only person you're fighting against is God, and that's a very, very painful uh, reality. Yeah. So, so these are uh, several points um, that we would say is is for each of you to consider as you ask yourself, how do I view my leaders in my church? Uh, and the point to understand is these are not optional, and the burden that rests on any uh, reasonably faithful elders is very heavy. Um, and it's a good burden to be sure, but but it's a burden there nevertheless. And and we can testify how joyful it is when 
someone comes alongside and makes the task of shepherding a joyful one. Let me jump in real quick and just say something there, because never forget that your pastor is dealing with more than just you two. So for all, I can't tell you the number of times that a person's upset. And it's like, right now I'm dealing with a marriage that's ready to crumble, uh, a child who is in great rebellion in another home. And you know, and you start, in your own mind, you've got all these things that you're trying to address. You're wore out. You're tired. You haven't seen your own children. Right. <laughs> um, your wife is discouraged because when, when will my husband be home? And you've got all these little pressures on you, and somebody's upset because— And the, the weight of administrative responsibilities. Yeah. And, 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 and you forgot to say hi to him when you walked by him at church. Um, Show those, show those pastors grace there. You have no idea the things they're dealing with, um, and because they cannot tell you that they're dealing with them. Um, you would be horrified if they knew things about you and they shared it with everybody in the church. Well, in the same way, they're carrying these various burdens for other people, and, and sometimes— I hate to break it to you, but pastors just have really bad days. They're they're frustrated, they're discouraged, they're worried, um, and and they're fighting all that. And they have their own sin to contend with. Um, it's not like sin stopped in their life. So back to you, but just it's hard. It's a burden that they're carrying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so we will say though, it is a joyful thing when someone comes yeah. comes to you and they seek to find out how they can be a help to the ministry, not a burden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so they do it by listening to you and then by doing it um, and not making excuses or just grumbling. Um, so we trust that this, this little episode will help change some of perhaps your thoughts about those who lead you and to encourage you to honor those who labor faithfully uh, among you for the long haul. Uh, many men have risen very fast and fallen just as fast. Other men who had every appearance of being faithful only to uncover a life of infidelity to the truth or purity. Um, but then there are those who will just never be famous. Uh, they'll never have a meme of their quotes, uh, but they will be faithfully shepherding the flock that God has entrusted to them until the end. And we would just say, as Paul does, honor those men. So we will pick up back more with ecclesiology next time. Uh, pray for us both, if you remember us. Uh, we're both very, very busy right now with, with many responsibilities. Uh, but as always, don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend. Mm-hmm.